looking out for number one, California, here we come, right back where we started from. Hustlers, grab your guns, your shadow is a ton, driving down the 101, California, here we come, right back where we started from, California. Welcome to the OCD, bitch, the show where we take an in-depth, episode-by-episode look at the seminal and underrated primetime sopa of the early aughts, the OC. As always, on any good version of this show, I am your host, Mike Gravano. With me, as always, is my good companion, Ryan. That was some major Cassie and Caitlin shit-talking right what? there. What? No, who? I mean, I like you forgot that sometimes I host, and so oh, you forgot shit. to include shit, me shit. on the list of good hosts. But you really fucking nailed their butts to a wall. Mm, I don't know if that's true. No? I would never nail any butt to the wall. I Christian upbringing, you know those ankles, you know those wrists. I've got cancer, and the doctor says that the only way that it can be cured, it's a very particular kind of butt cancer, mm-hmm. is for you to nail one of my cheeks into the wall, and you're saying, no, that's just not something I do. If it's for cancer research, sorry, it's just not my beliefs. If I'll, it's, but, I'll nail anything else to anything else. But no, the research is done. We have the cure. It's That na- is the cure. And you can, you're the only person that can do it. For reasons I'm, that you don't even can't understand. I don't understand. I didn't go to medical school. Right. I don't know what it is about my fingerprints and these nails you're giving me and those butt cheeks. I get To cure my cancer. To cure your cancer. Is it a fatal cancer or just one of those ones that you're like, uh, I'm just sleepy? Uh, yeah, no. It's one of those kind of, uh, kind of tiring but mostly fun butt those cancers. Sleepy time sloth butt cancers. I guess if it would save your life, just know it would be a real drag for me. Me too, because I've seen you with a hammer and nail, and you are not Captain Accurate. Oh yeah, you're gonna. There's gonna be some extra nails. Mm-hmm. And uh, are you okay when it, I hilariously nail my thumb to your butt cheek? <laughs> I know you will be. It's your lifelong dream. I just, I think we should have been born that way. The Siamese twins, when one hand is just stuck to the other's butt. I gotta, I gotta assume that that is not what we call those people anymore. Oh, I didn't even think about that. There's certain words. Is it in the gypsies l- now? I think we no. call them gypsies. I think there's certain words in lexicon that are used a certain way that you don't even remember, because I don't think of like Asian heritage twins attached together. You right. think of like circus folk. <laughs> okay, well, I like how you're getting sensitive about it. <laughs> what we should really slow down and figure out what to call conjoined twins. That's that's the name. That's what it is. See, I didn't go to medical school. So you want to be conjoined thumb to butt? Thumb, yeah, classic thumb to butt. And people are always telling me to get my thumb out of my butt. Yeah. But at that point, they couldn't tell you to get your thumb out of my I butt. I get to tell them how insensitive they are. Would it only be fair if I get to nail my thumb to your butt? Oh. So when we're walking in like baggy clothes, it looks like we're an adorable couple? Yeah. I'm into that. And which is, That would be a first for us. Because most people that see us walking baggy clothes or not, they scream at us. That is not an adorable couple. No, they think we're an awful fighting couple. That is the least adorable couple I have ever seen. Which is rude on so many levels. I think we would be an adorable couple. I, th- I would say that we're at least neutral. Yeah. Not, are we the exact opposite of adorable? We're not. Is that adorkable? Uh, is probably, that the opposite yeah. of adorable? It seems rude. Like, just let people walk by. You don't have to scream reverse cat calls. And is this planned by the planet? Like, are we on some Truman Show? How, why is it every person that walk, walks by a planned it? planet? I think, I think everything is the Truman Show, so yes. Planimal planet? Planimal planet? Where the animals are planning against us? Probably. 
It's probably that, Ryan. Oh, man. Sometimes you'll say a thing, and then you'll love it so much. You just got the happiest face about this new planet you're going to be the god of. I don't know, because I just thought of, like, animal Illuminati. Just, like, a hippo, a chimp, a croc, some bird, just, like, in a dark room talking about like everything they're going to do to fuck us over is this would you say this is like a brett ratner movie where the doctor says now we have to nail one animal's thumb to every other animal's butt that feels like brett ratner in order to save us from the flood and then i'm just assuming a ton of action is brett ratner that's not the guy who did uh roll would it be roland emmerich that's who i was yeah. gonna say yeah <laughs> that's how he rolls uh ryan this is a part two Oh, so we have to stop the episode <laughs> of the, I would not stop. This is just like, try to throw this onto that too. Like some sort of thumbnail to a butt. Uh, part two of episode 212, the Lonely Hearts Club of the OC. Last episode, we talked about. We talked about, um, well, Mike, there's a comic book yep. that everybody's excited for. Mm-hmm. And I think we talked about how that it's going to become the most famous comic book of all time. Ooh, no. Because Buster. the Waz of Zach and the Steve Jobs of Seth and the summer of both of them, is it, like you can't fight that. I guess you can't Just, unless you go to San Diego. And then San Diego ruins every relationship I've ever had. Unless you go to San Diego. And then we also talked about Caleb's heart attack recovery and what's that doing for everybody involved. And let's be clear, no thumbs or nails were mentioned. No, even though that would have cured his cancer. Mm-hmm. And have actually, he liked to fake that he was like de-scrooged, but now thumb to butt actually de-scrooged him. Okay, so that was a full-on fakery. It just didn't last for, it's supposed to last the rest of your life. Right. I just assumed for him it lasted like three minutes. Because you think it was all fake? Is it the most realistic thing that OC's ever done is a near-death experience doesn't change most people? Yeah, it's like a New Year's resolution. Like, the second you can stop thinking about it. it. And then he's like, wait, but including Ryan Atwood I have to be nice to? No, I'm just going to be full me to everybody. Do you think Scrooge hates that he's still held up in pop culture as the angry rich guy when the whole story is about how he learned. Yeah. And we've just not let him evolve. He's just in his grave going like, did nobody read the end of the book? Get to the end. The goose as big as the kid. That's the whole point. The whole point is I want to buy everybody a goose as big as them. What should have happened is that we only remember the goose as big as a kid. Yes. And I guess the sequel would be boring. He's just nice to everybody now. It's probably, like, we, we try to forget that because they cooked that goose up instead of putting, like, some overalls on it and, like, a propeller hat and just having it be, like, fake real kid from here on out. That's terrifying. No, thank you. I don't want that goose tail in anybody's household. Uh, we do have to get this outro, intro, the fuck on. Uh, tonight, we are talking about Sandy and Kirsten and how they're fighting over Rebecca. And Julie is back from Paris. And what's that going to do? To Marissa and Alex. All that and more on tonight's OCD. Ryan, we find out, this is actually what's most important, that Rebecca and Sandy's first date ever, they went to see the Penn Kingsley vehicle Gandhi, <laughs> and she fell right asleep. Benjamin Kingsley's Gandhi. Benjamin Kingsley's Gandhi. She mentions a uh, bad first date movie. Uh-huh. 100% correct. Sure. You want it, something scary or something light, right? Yeah. Three hours long. Um and like all of the biopic prat pitfalls right. and pratfalls, he's always spilling on everything. Um, that comes with that. I like that's a history lesson. Gandhi's a good movie, but damn, that's like alone with a scotch, like really taking it in and thinking about it. Right, not 
I don't know. Let's see where this goes after. Gandhi is uh, scotch on one hand and Vaseline in the other, and let's just see where Gandhi takes us. Where Sandy's like in the middle of him being like, I guess I will hunger strike. Sandy's like, is it now where I put my arm around her? <laughs> like, <laughs> is that going to get her in the mood for some movie theater loving? You put the arm around her, and then you slap the popcorn off her lap. We're in a hunger strike. What are you doing? <laughs> what you're, are you- you're eating right in front of Gandhi. Being rude. So we talked about in the last episode how... Kirsten, Sandy doesn't know. He gets all these flowers because it's just the day before Valentine's yes. Day. Kirsten uh, puts one in the garbage disposal, and now he's like, uh-oh, I bet this is something that has to do with Rebecca. Um, and then they basically don't talk for a long time in the episode. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, when you're mad at your partner, romantic or otherwise, do you stay mad for as long as you're mad and then you're fine? Or is there a part of you that's like sort of doing the math and is thinking, oh, I'm going to be mad for at least, this is two weeks mad. And I'm going to be, I'm only one week mad, but he deserves two weeks mad. I find emotion of any level exhausting. Mm -hmm. So I do think uh, what I think is healthy, what every therapist I've ever had uh, and significant other tells me is very unhealthy is I get over it as quickly as possible because to draw it out is so tiring. That's true. But sometimes being tired is worth it. Working out, exercising, no. It's not worth it. Just don't do it. But using your emotions to manipulate the people around you so they feel appropriately punished for how they wronged you is, I think, how the reason you're supposed to be tired. Oh, you're Julie Cooper. <laughs> I get it now. There's, so do you think that the second that Kirsten's over it, she should run to Sandy? What if she just happens to be over it in like an hour? That's, that's not an hour worth of bullshit no it's not an hour's worth of bullshit and i do think there's levels you it's still in his court to fix things i think there's level there's like the the rage the the first reaction is the one that's so exhausting and afterwards like you could be cold or whatever and i, I guess if it's like if there's a wedding you suck it up but there's it's just valentine's day so he tries to make it up that way and she's kirsten's like we can celebrate valentine's day later and this is she does chill out pretty quickly or tries to because Max is still dying mm-hmm. in all of this. And I think that is what makes Kirsten like, okay, whew, I'm going to try to be cool. And also I found out credit cards just call people. So, cause he does, he learns his lesson sort of, he gets Rebecca a hotel room. At least that's better. And Kirsten's like, Oh, you did one good thing, I guess, because they called me and said, you got a room here. I know that credit card companies like look out to see if your identity was stolen, mm-hmm. but does this seem more like, Somebody who works at the credit card company just had like their husband or wife cheated on them, right, yeah. and now they're out for like a little bit of revenge or something. I'm not one to say snitches get and or deserve stitches, uh-huh. but this really does feel like a snitch needs a stitch. Yeah, the hotel is in the same neighborhood. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a very expensive hotel, and this person just assumed, oh, I better, I'm gonna call this wife. But like, Jimmy Cooper didn't get a call when Julie was shacking up with Luke in a motel. Like, yeah, it, something blew up. And that clerk's hat life. Or is this such an exclusive credit card? You know how like people much richer than us have these credit cards that are like six times as thick as your average yeah. credit card? They weigh like 60 pounds. It looks like a phone battery. Yeah. Um, and maybe Kirsten set it up like the day before. Like called the credit card company because mm-hmm. it's so exclusive. They'll do whatever you want. She's like, hey, you get any charges, um, anything that has to do with the name Rebecca. Like if somebody is buying on this credit card a lot of Rebecca personalized license plates sure can you just give me a call or because a through line through these seasons is no matter how often he is not cheating on her she doesn't trust sandy so she does have certain blips on his cards which is 
really like it's it's really good on Kirsten's part because for years it feels like Sandy has given her no reason to not trust him. Uh-huh. And she she just saw through all of this. She was like, "Oh, I trust you." Except, well, wait, look, at, no, you're lying. You're totally lying right now. Is it twenty year itch? Like it does? It's not that it's Rebecca. It's just they've been married long enough that now it was Rachel last season, Rebecca now that it truly is. They're both a little bored with how normal and good things are. Although you bring up a good point. If we're averaging one per season. Maybe that's... That's a lot. I'm going to say too much in a normal marriage. And Kirsten's going to get the Rocketeer soon? The Like with the helmet and everything? Yeah, she's going to become the Rocketeer. I love that. The guy who played the Rocketeer uh-huh. is coming into town soon. Is and he? so roles are about to reverse. Oh, that's so fun. I bet Sandy will surely remember how she forgave him and be chill about it. I don't know why these are my least favorite parts of any season. Maybe it's because it's obvious that they're going to get back together. Right. But I, I hate when, like their heads get turned or maybe it's because i love them more than my own parents uh-huh. and so for them to go through anything just breaks my little heart there's that and there's that maybe the writers are lazy and that's the only drama they could think of a married couple having because shorts is what 26 when he was making this mm-hmm. they cannot think i've only been married a year but i'm older than shorts was when he was writing this show i can tell you friends there's more drama than cheating that you'll get into with it they did it the best at the beginning of the season their best drama ever was arguing about how to handle Seth's move to Portland. Uh huh. That feels that, like, a, dude. Yes, that's a realistic. We have come to a crossroads in parenting, mm-hmm. and we cannot figure it out. And that was the most brutal their fights have felt because all of that felt real and new. But the cheating thing always seems like the character's bored, mm-hmm. and that's why it happened. And if the character's bored, so are we. We one. We all get bored. That doesn't mean you have to cheat. Uh. So in this, so he's like, yeah, I did do that. And it's Kirsten's like, oh, good, but still mad that he, I guess he's the one getting the hotel or whatever. And Sandy's like, and by the way, I'm not going to be your lawyer. And she was like, don't do it because of me. And what I do like, and he does, he says a thing no other TV character says. He goes, of course it's because of you. But then he says, but you're not forcing me to do it. I'm just a married man. And for the first time in the last couple weeks, I'm remembering what that all means. Yeah, that was a classic OC situation of... TV TV character one says something very TV charactery. Don't do it because of me. Just something you have yeah. to say. And then TV character two says something very realistic. And that's I could use I could use more of that in real life. More people need to just own up and be like, yeah, it is. Let's just be not passive aggressive about this. But this is what being in a, any sort of relationship with somebody means. You do things for and because of each other. I will sacrifice not constantly almost hooking up with my ex girlfriend for you. He likes that more, right? He doesn't want to hook up. He just likes that he kind of these women throw themselves at him, right? Because he's surrounded by noobsies who can't look at him because of his uh, political leanings, right? And because this is the Sandy says it early on to Rebecca, she asks him to stay later or if she will uh, meet Kirsten or something. And he goes, "It's it feels antithetical, but it also feels very real." He goes, "No, no, no. Me and Kirsten are bulletproof." But I don't want to test that out. It's like I'm sure we are unbreakable, but also, what if I don't then try to smash that window with a hammer? And then Kirsten does the next logical thing. Okay, cool. Everything's over. I'm going to see if the Arches has a reservation. Oh, and the, is this a, a segment we can do yet? Is what bullshit the OC is doing to the real OC? Because in this big build up to like, we're all fine now. Let's do Valentine's Day for real. She's like, you know what we need? An ocean view. This kind of steak. This kind of drink. And he goes, the Arches? She says, the Arches. Maybe in the 50s before... Eight different kinds of houses were built. The arches have an ocean view, but it has been an inland restaurant forever. This is the bullshit. I've, I don't think I've ever That's seen you bullshit. this mad at the OC before. It's I I didn't get 
growing up here, you dry, and I've worked in a lot of restaurants, you, you hear the, the whispered, hallowed reputation of the arches, and it looks like a fucking barn mm-hmm. off PCH. And Which I, they love, by the way. The, the arches loves the fact that it like looks so old school and shitty. And I've never been inside. I refused. They were rivals. But I don't know. Like, why, why do you have to turn it up a notch even more? Just, I don't know. It's stupid. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, maybe it's one of those things where the writers just assume that every restaurant has an oceanfront uh-huh. view. But There's a fucking restaurant that was around for years called Windows on the Bay. And the windows were just 50 feet high. And all you got was ocean view. Use that. We all you don't have to describe the arches. We know in the title of the restaurant what it's about. Yeah, and then also like the arches is a fairly famous OC restaurant, mm-hmm. but um, clearly somebody that works on the show worked there because it's mentioned way more than it yeah, should. Yeah, a key grip hosted there once, right. and he's like, "Here's one." Host is in like takes people to their table or like microphone in hand. Welcome to the arches. Welcome. Oh, who's eating some uh, ribeyes tonight? <laughs> you old son of a bitch. Um. We have to take a break, but when we come back, I want to dig into Max and Sandy's conversation, as many important conversations do in the OC. This takes place on one of the piers. Ryan, Max needs to meet up with Sandy, and Sandy's like, yeah, things are great now. I got Valentine's Day plans for tomorrow night. Uh, Rebecca's in this hotel. Everything's coming up. Sandy, Max meets with him and lays on the thickest guilt trip of, I thought you'd be my son-in-law. And everything you're doing right now is what a son-in-law would do for me, except no, because you're not going to lawyer for her. Well, a couple things. One, where is this taking place? The pier. So this is just straight up peer pressure. Number two, <laughs> Boom. Um, Max has alluded many times to like how Sandy's basically family. Uh-huh. But really, it's just his lawyer, mentor, mentee. Mm-hmm. So it's just his father-in-law. It's not right. his father in real life. Not Feral? Not, for, not Feral, no. Not Feral Audio? Yeah, it's his father-in-law. But he wanted to become his father-in-law. Father-in-law-in-law. Father-in-law in love. Once, once you pick father-in-law, you can't then become father-in-law. That's too many in-law. Have you ever had the kind of relationship where it either you didn't end actually ever date the person or it made it hard to break up with the person because how tight you were with their family? No. It all, my, my entire life, it was always hard to stay with the person because of how not tight I was with the family. For sure. We've all had that one. Uh, my first girlfriend, it, I needed to stay together for the parents because her parents were so fucking cool and and yours were not they're they're fine they're just parents they were they were dorks they like they're just they're fucking nerds made their own board games and they were rick moranis and what's her name the secretary in ghostbusters patrick moranis patrick moranis uh those were my parents and her parents were just like stacy keach and barbarella like they were cool as hell (laughs) that's what i think cool the two epitomes of cool (laughs) Uh, so Max lays it in thick and he's like, oh, I need to sit down for a second because I just, guilt takes a lot out of me. And Sandy's like, I'll go get us tea. And th- these are the reverberations. A lot of times, last last week we talked about how the summer Seth reverberations are dressed up for Wonder as Wonder Woman. Now she's in a different costume for like, there's echoes of our life. This is uh, Ryan, who did Ryan, and Lindsay. Ryan took Lindsay very drunk to the water and said, I'll go get us coffee. And so the echoes of that is Sandy's like, I'll go get you tea. Of course, everything will be completely fine and great when I come back. Do not leave somebody on the beach. If you leave somebody on the beach. Don't come, don't go back. Just leave them there. They will be dead either in your mind and hearts or for fucking real. Now, Sandy goes and gets the green tea and then he starts walking up. And we realize long before, not just because we know the rules of drama, but also 
Sandy is looking at Max, just thinking, wow, what a weird nap he's taking, yeah. all hunched over with his head completely to the side. It's a, an adult only sits like that in public if they are dead or they've been on a 20-hour flight and they're on a layover. Like, this is not how a human is around other people. Now, this is one of the most important scenes in OC history to me. Mike, do you want me to tell you why? I would love that. Oh, my God. I thought you were going to say no. <laughs> nope, moving on. What would I have done, dude? That was nerve-wracking. Whew, that was close. Okay. A um, couple episodes before this, me and my best friend at the time, somebody I do not talk to anymore, he's dead to me, uh, we'll call him Phil. I hate him. Liss. We'll call him Phyllis. Uh, we had created an OC drinking game because we had people come over and watch it. Mm-hmm. And one of the rules was if somebody dies, you have to pound your entire drink. Uh-huh. And we were like, that's so funny. We were young at the time. Like, no one's going to die ever. And then also, how could anybody pound an entire drink now it's the only way i drink but back then it was crazy and then this person died and we screamed out of both excitement and horror like it it was like if your mom threw the super bowl winning touchdown for your favorite football team and then her head fall off like all of that screaming at the exact same time and then we pounded our entire drink to max i told you to never bring up how my mother died 1992 san diego miami dolphins Versus the Ravens. My mom was such a Dolphins fan. She was in the stands. She got a little drunk, decided, no, fuck that. I deserve to be on this field with Marino. Jumped in. And then one of the Ravens took her head clean off because she didn't have it up. I just, I want to point out once again that all, 100% of your sports knowledge is, knowledge comes from Ace Ventura <laughs> Pet Detective. <laughs> yep. I'm just guessing that there's a team called the Ravens. <laughs> there is. Okay, cool. And not like a hockey team. Yeah, it really is. It really is Ace Ventura. Blue 42, Blue 42, hike, hike, laces out. <laughs> so Max is dead on the bench, and Sandy, like, the next time we see Sandy, he's, it's sunrise, and he and Rebecca are just hugging. Now, Sandy is not a medical expert, but the fact that, like, the way that he checked to see if Max was dead by flicking both of his nipples, mm-hmm. flicking both of his own, Sandy's <laughs> own nipples just to see if there's dead people around, he, well, it's a superpower nobody ever talks about. That Sandy, if you flick them right, it's like a tuning fork, and dead people uh, kind of eat sonic waves. Like it just like dies right on them. So, did we know before this scene that Sandy didn't have so much chest hair, and uh, as opposed to like two giant eyebrows above each of his nipples? We didn't know for sure, uh-huh. but we can guess, and based on that, we can extrapolate what those pubes are like. Wait, <laughs> two eyebrows? Two gi- eyebrows right above that dong. <laughs> So wait, just looks like if it looks like Gonzo in a Groucho Marx costume. <laughs> yeah, that's what you're saying. Is that that's a that feels like hat in a hat, Gonzo? Like you don't you don't need to do that. You're already dressed like Gonzo. Uh, so they're hugging at sunrise, and then Cindy gets home, and you think like Kiki's gonna be like out all night again, but he did the smart thing apparently, and so did the screenwriters because we didn't see it. He called her and let her know Max died. Uh, and Kiki is awesome. She's like, hey, it's just Valentine's Day. Let's not hang out tonight. Be with Rebecca, help her figure out this stuff, and like be with your old friend because her dad died. And Sandy, he's kind of been on an upswing once Kiki chilled out. Like he got found out, he was being dumb for one. I was being smart, and he's dumb because he goes, "No, yes, he died, but we're important. You're my life now, and now this dinner is the most important thing to me. And I gamble our entire relationship on this dinner. We're gonna go to the arches." And we're going to sit by a window that looks into the parking lot because that's the only place that any of the Arches windows look at. Oh, thank you. Anytime now it's I'm mentioned. Pissed. Now we're fucking. Uh, and then cut to like an hour before dinner, I guess. 
and Rebecca calls. They're, Sandy and Kirsten are just both at home going, arches, arches, arches. arches. And they're not even in, like, they're about to get ready, but they got to do their arches pump-up dance first. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Rebecca's like, hey, I'm leaving town. I just want to say goodbye. And he's like, but we can get you, like, off. She's like, my dad's dead, and that was the only reason not to be a fugitive. It's a pretty dope life. You get to hang on a lot of storm drains and scream at people. And then he wisely is like, I can't say I can't I am I'm I'm doing my arches dance, lady. I can't come and say goodbye to you. Just move on with your life. And then Kiki says, if you want to go, I'm not gonna stop you. Which I do not take as an invitation, just freely go. This is again one of the most realistic portrayals of marriage and the greatest TV marriage of all time. Kirsten says, if you want to go, you should go. Mm-hmm. If you want to go say goodbye, you should go. At there's nothing about her face, her tone, her delivery, anything that shows that she means that at all. Yeah. Just offering Sandy one more chance to say, nope, love my wife. She's thinking, he said a great thing earlier, even though it was a little harsh, was, of course it's because of you I'm doing this. He's on an upswing. So she's like, I'm going to do the line I have to say. And surely he will own it. He just walked out the door. And so he goes and uh, kisses Kirsten and says, I'll be back before the um, reservation. And the camera holds on Kirsten's face, which just fucking crumbles yeah I, I cannot believe you sandy and then cuts to her sitting in the dark later and call just calling off the reservation right but the way the light has shifted we are led to believe it's been hours now she puts down her arches pennant she takes off her arches like foam uh, glove yeah her foam glove uh her rip away pants she rips them off but sadly and there's nothing sadder than somebody unexcitedly ripping off rip away pants just crumpling them up i'm not even gonna rebutton it right now hey, oh and by the way um, Sandy doesn't hurry at all. Like no. he goes and just fucking chills, and at some point says, "I think I, I missed my reservation." Yeah, the way Sandy is hanging out with Rebecca is the way I hang out with you when I've told my wife I'll be somewhere. Like, yeah, it's fine. One more cigarette. I also think it's important to point out, and it's just because we're all Team Kirsten now. You know, we hate Seth, we love Kirsten. Sandy is just going off a cliff. That at no point did Rebecca say, "I have plane reservations. I have to get a bus. Like, I have to be somewhere." She can leave whenever she wants. Right. She just wants to leave right now. And this is, Rebecca, last episode was all about, no, be with your wife, do not do this for me. But it's that honest manipulation. I'm going to say all the right things right. to get you to be a fuck up. Therefore, you'll believe me later. Because now, she's, he's like, oh, dude, I got to go. I'm four hours late for my Valentine's Day reservation. And she says, stay here in a husky tone, my friend. Uh, so wait, wait, you mean sex? Yes. Does she want sex? I think she might want that sex. The Bex sex? The Bex sex. Uh, and he says, no, I got to go. And then she says, I wish the thing that ripped us apart and made us not get married never happened. And he looks at her and goes, me too. Me too. This is a man with a wife and a child. Now, Mike, this is a really, this is a really interesting point here. How seriously are we supposed to take this? Is this, and we're all capable of this, we got to say something. And so he was just like, me too. Or... Did he honestly mean that he wishes she hadn't done that so his life was different in every single way? I don't think I do I do think even though Sandy's has a string of dumb dumb moves, I think there's nuance here. There you can feel you can love the past and love your current life. He's saying me too, and they kiss, but it's not that passionate. It feels like this is a gift to her because her light like and that's arrogant. <laughs> I'm gonna give you a little gift, hon. Smoochy smooch. Uh it, he means it in that very like even real people can get caught up in Hollywood moments because they know there's no downside. He's already fucked up a lot. There's no downside to saying he also wishes that kiss were out. It's better 
to say that than say like I'm not. You I'm fucking not. you fucking being a fugitive for years was great for me. Yeah, it's you don't want literally everybody in your life to be mad at you. But the thing is too though is that they actually kiss. But what you just did was say smoochy smooches. Mm-hmm. And you know from hanging out with me that like I was born without lips and I can't kiss. So mm-hmm. instead I just say smoochy smooches. And it has the same exact effect as any passionate kiss. Mm-hmm. Why not just say the words? Yeah. Why not just always be running up to people and screaming smoochy smooches? And it's like you're kissing the world. Smoochy smooches. Kiss it. Well, you don't want to kiss the world. You want consent before you kiss the world. That's true. You ask permission. But there's so many different ways to say smoochy smooches. You know, is it family? Is it friend? Is it romance? Is it sexy time? Please do not have the way you say smoochy smooches to your grandma and your wife the same that's way. disgusting please have the tone be a little different your wife and her grandma sure oh yeah. those are the same well we all know what her grandma's like hello smooches. <laughs> sandy comes home and it's a very like cinematic shop like up the stairs and cinematic kitchens. do you know what cinematic what do you know what this is what it's the godfather ending it's the godfather ending yes and then she kirsten shuts the door in sandy's yes. face this is what uh this is what al pacino did to diane keaton in the last second of the godfather but it wasn't diane keaton's fault al pacino was being a real prick that's true but here kirsten should shut the door on and her. diane keaton has never been a prick do you understand no. me she's a saint he, she's, she's a, a goddamn G-D saint saint so that's i'm it's so hard not to fucking watch the next one just to find out what these two crazy adults are going to get up to over under, I don't want to even say episodes, over under on amount of scenes that Kirsten and Sandy are still fighting. Let's say there's 30 scenes an episode. 10. 10. Okay. I don't, th- I don't think they'll make up at breakfast again. They just did that this episode, so they can't do it again. Gotta wait till lunch now. It'll at least be a lunchtime makeup. You can't turn breakfast into just an, to an all-time makeup sesh every morning. They breakfast so differently the way I breakfast. Breakfast is for stewing and eating beef stew. Not Wait, that's, for forgiveness. You will stew and eat it all in the same time? Mm-hmm. You don't make that for later? Why don't you get a crockpot going the night before and then have some stew in the morning? Ooh, some nice meal prep. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I just like, I like the shape of stew, but none of the flavors are mixed together yet. Here's your beef. Here's your broth. It's like a weird salad? No, yeah. I don't even know what that weird would be. Weird liquid salad. <laughs> that's what I'm into. I like a pound of uh, uh, cooked beef. Cooked, maybe. I don't care. We'll and then I line up the broth in shots. And then I just Ooh. pretend that like I'm in a frat and I just do bra shots. Cocktail, cocktail. I've seen the movie. We need to take a break. When we come back, let's dig in to Marissa, Alex, and Julie. Ryan, how long do you think the way everybody's talked about her the last three episodes that Julie has been gone? Two and a half months. That actually feels fucking perfect. No, you weren't fucking. That wasn't you starting a bit. You wanted some no. honest information from me, and I wanted you to give it to you. You, you. you calculated i saw your eyes dart back and forth the way you do when you think uh two and a half months so imagine and this is two 2004 months there's no facebook julie's not on myspace there's probably no international plans they've only written posted cards perhaps she comes home and nobody gives a shit she seems to be aware of caleb's heart attack right yes no she comes in and says oh baby how are you but then just wants to tell him about the spot she's been to. She, mm. she doesn't want the answer. And she seems jealous of Lindsay. Oh, instantly. Like, she walks in, and maybe it's because she didn't get the heralded return mm-hmm. she hoped for. But uh, it's, it's clear right away, even though she says it later, why she's upset with Lindsay. Right. right. She thinks she's a gold digger because Julie only... Game recognizes yeah. game. Um, game assumes game. <laughs> game assumes game. And so she's pissed that uh, Lindsay's there. She sees Lindsay before Marissa, so maybe yeah. that's part of it. But I think the coup de gras, like the most disgusting thing, is that 
Lindsay at Julie's Mansion made tuna fish sandwiches. Yeah. And that's the thing that Julie's like about to barf. I get that. I'm team Julie for that you one. You don't like tuna? I like raw tuna, maybe Toro some tuna belly. Get your tuna fish drowning in mayo bullshit out of here. You elitist 1% Ugh. Julie Cooper loving motherfucker. I've been like, I feel like you got to choose one seafood sandwich, and I'm a seafood sandwich kind of kid. It's that fake crab meat and mayonnaise. That's how I grew up. So fuck your tuna. I'm sorry. We have to choose one seafood sandwich, and you chose seafood, seafood sandwich. sandwich. <laughs> wow. Okay. What's your favorite band? Rock music. <laughs> There's a band called The Band, if you want to listen to The Band. Oh, They'll be the only band I'm into. Uh, and then she asks Cal if he wants to do something. And I do like, this is this is when Cal can be great. He goes, well, Juju, Lindsay and I are in the middle of some mad libs. <laughs> some madded libs. He's still trying to learn it. We're, we're, we're uh, mad libbing all throughout the town. <laughs> Which I would like a spinoff show where the script each episode is the script uh, of one of Cal's Mad Libs. Like, what the fuck verbs? <laughs> and then you make a show about that? that and that's all you have to oh, make the shit. show. That sounds fun as heck. Because, I mean, is he just saying, like, noun, money bag. Next noun, bag with a dollar sign on it. <laughs> mm, gold coin pool. Or he's fucking terrible. I'm, I'm, I made fun of him. Because, like, he's rich. I yeah. apologize. That's on me. We do not. We, we can't don't make fun of the rich. Kill most of her fan base. I think he's more like a brick from Anchorman. Like, noun. Uh-huh. Lindsay, noun, tuna fish sandwich. Adverb, Caleb Lee. <laughs> uh, so Julie's like, fine, fuck this. Fuck your Mad Libs and tuna. I'm going to go see Marissa. And it's one in the afternoon, and Marissa is lights out, curtains up. Like, it's the darkest this bedroom's ever been. And Julie tries to apologize to her. She hasn't seen her mom in two and a half months. Julie's trying to be like, hey, I've been a real piece of shit mom. I just think if some eye contact could be made, I'll be a human from now on. I just need one. No, not even two. Put one <laughs> eye on me. And Marissa grabs a pillow and covers her head in it. And Julie's like, okay, we're going to go back to how we've been. Cool. And Marissa's whining about something. And this is, Julie talks about Marissa the way we do in this room. She goes, what, are you going to throw all your bedroom furniture into the pool? Which I believe that at that point, Julie should have dropped her mic and ran around the room <laughs> screaming because Marissa got burnt. She got a new career now. She's going to be, she is the Rose Master General. Jeff Ross can go fuck himself. Even if Julie only has that one joke, I don't care. I love it. If literally every time Marissa said anything, Julie brought up patio furniture. I'm in. It's, I, so often people think breaking the fourth wall means turning to the camera and screaming that you know all this is fake. This is the best way to do it. Is Marissa does throw furniture into the pool an obscene amount. Somebody in her life would comment on it eventually. But that's the way she introduces her to other people. <laughs> this is my daughter who throws patio furniture into the pool. You might want to lock up your tables. <laughs> she Julie also hands her, because Julie buys love, not earns it, a Chanel clutch from hmm. France. Mike, and I looked this up. How much? A girl. It's $1,000 for like the tiniest purse you have ever seen. For a 16-year-old alcoholic. Which I also think that... Is a nut- and Julie goes into this at dinner with Marissa later, but another reason Julie went on this trip was because she's nervous that the relationship and or the credit cards are ending, uh-huh. and she wanted to get some shopping in. Sure, get that shopping in. JBS, baby. Julie's be shopping. Globalization hadn't purely hit, so you couldn't go to Melrose yet to get that same purse. you got to fly to France. Is that true? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I bought it. I don't know. Yeah, it took 80 years post-World War II for that pure, like, real synergy to hit across nations. Uh, so Marissa runs away from home, and she's like, no, fuck oh, wait, my hold mom. On. We are missing one other very important part about Marissa. What? 
Uh, Julie says, uh, I'll take away your BlackBerry. And she says, I don't care. And then she says, oh, I'll take away your cell phone. Oh, yeah. What the shit is that shit? Is she dealing drugs on the side? And that's what the BlackBerry is for? Or is did she basically create the first smartphone? If you have a BlackBerry and a flip phone, now you have a smartphone. And the BlackBerry is just for emails? <laughs> yeah. And like Candy Crush, I guess. <laughs> 2004 Candy Crush? They were taped together, and then on the back of it was a little Apple logo. So I think this is our yeah. first iPhone. Steve Jobs watching no one. I have an idea. I can't believe it's not named the Marissa. That's what I've called mine forever. Because uh, it's doesn't matter. Uh, I Marissa. love it when you bail on shit. <laughs> it's my favorite. We don't have time. <laughs> she runs to the bait shop, and she's like, my mom's back in town, so let's hang out tonight. And... At this point, they fully talk about their feelings for each other, and they're like, on board. And Alex is like, cool, I like where this is going. No first dates on Valentine's Day, you mook. Okay, and I know that this is old. This is like 15 years old, this episode. But I still got to say, and I know how punk rock Alex is, because Mike, you can tell right away, part of her, a very small piece of her hair is a different color than the rest of her hair. And that's punk as fuck. But is having a tirade about the hallmark holiday of Valentine's Day the least punk hack bullshit yeah. you can possibly do. Do you know what's punk rock? Caring. That's what the internet says right now. I've seen that a lot lately. And there's the whole Kurt Cobain thing of like how hard it is to figure out what's punk. And if you're figuring it out, then that's not punk. Right. But I sort of, even back then, would put this past Alex. This feels like try hard to me. She's 17. Still. She's trying out material. She's emancipated. You don't learn everything right away. They don't they give do, you a booklet. Yeah. The second that you leave that courtroom, they're yeah, like, here's everything. Here's a binder. Uh, so she's like, fine, I guess I have to have dinner with my mom then. And Julie opens up to Marissa and is like, I mean, me and Cal have lasted longer than anybody expected, right? I think we're done, even if he's not dying. So Julie opens up and says, yeah, I'm not, like, honestly, I don't know how much longer the relationship's going to last. Part two of the conversation is, Marissa, I'm going to train you how to be a Julie Cooper. Yeah. One Marissa, I do. She 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 remembered that fucking bedroom mark, and she's been writing responses, callbacks all day. And she's like, "Come on, mom! If you and Caleb can't make it, who can?" And just the perfect snotty amount. And even though Julie is telling her she's right, that gets her. Uh, my favorite part of this entire episode is when Julie says to Marissa at dinner, "I'm glad you handled all of my re- remarks in your room earlier so well." And then she's like, "Yep," yeah. and it cuts to the pool at home. It's just filled with furniture. There's like three hundred pieces of furniture in there. Uh, not only is Julie planning to, I guess, divorce Caleb, is she's planning a hostile takeover of all of his assets, even though she's ostensibly best friends with his daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she says Marissa needs to put in like some seriously FaceTime, so she like gets in that will. Can I ask you a question? Yes. Okay. We know Julie, and we know Cal, what Cal's into. Is Julie insinuating at all? Marissa, do a little bit of a handy or something. Or just flirt? Yeah, maybe be a little more flirtatious because Julie does have a way of doing things. Uh-huh. Kirsten said this uh, a couple of epi- 10 episodes ago. Right. Uh, your strength is how like you will light up a room, which means kind of mm-hmm. flirting everywhere. Flirt a bit. How far is Julie willing to send Marissa in? I think Prostitute Your Daughter Season 4, Julie Cooper. I don't think it's here yet. I think it's hang out with him. Don't scream that he can't tell her what to do and slam the door in his face every time. I understand what you're saying, but I would like on the record that your response was not, no, of course not. That's <laughs> disgusting. No, I think like Cal's a monster, but I do think Julie's the, the biggest villain of this show. Because right now, oh, he just had a heart attack? How can we get everything we can out of this? I think the biggest villain of the show is not caring. At least that's what the internet is telling me. 
That's what the internet's all about. So Julie is being Julie, and Marissa is hating it, but she thinks back to the bait shop Yes, where Alex gave her some advice, which is just something that's like, that sounds great, Mom. I'll think about that, which is stolen. From your life? Not from my life. It's part of the plot of Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, a movie I have seen no less than 75 times. Yeah? Yeah. What it, for all the kids out there, do a 30-second synops. Uh, Christine Applegate is a teenager. Babysitter dies. They're not supposed to tell their mom. She has to go get a real job. And the way that she gets all the, like, all the way to the top of the corporate ladder is just by saying that to people whenever a problem comes up. So it's like gruesome big? Yes. <laughs> she, a kid has to get a real job and just lie about death? It's big meets Weekend at Bernie's? Basically, yes. I love it. Let's watch that tonight. Uh, so she remembers that, says that, but then has to get the Julie out of her, and she finds Alex, and she's like, look, I know what you said, but I need you right now, and I care about you a lot, and I'm not going to do that weird thing where you say, are we girlfriends, and I sprint away and spit in your face anymore. Like, I'm balls to the walls in. Let's do this. And then they just hold hands and watch watch the waves go by. And this is an important moment. Also, in Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. They go to the beach after all this to watch the grunions come in. I really thought the really? grunions were going to come in. in grunions are like weird frogfish. What are grunions? I don't know. Fucking watch Don't Tell Mom's Babysitters. And then. learn what a goddamn grunion is. Um, but yeah, Seth was vulnerable-ish. Maybe like faux vulnerable. And it uh, drove Alex away. Right. And unfortunately, I think it's clear that the reverse is happening. That Marissa comes and she she takes the leap and she's a little vulnerable. And the face that Alex makes is... Now it's too much. Like, mm. I think Alex is about to fall too hard. Too hard. But, Mike, then they go to the beach. And what happens when they're sitting on the beach? What? Oh, this was the biggest deal in the world. What am I saying? What? There was, like, ads for weeks that this was going to happen. They kissed. They kissed. They just showed a kiss. This was back in the day when, and this was when Fox was Fox. This was Fox at his foxiest. And I don't mean sexy. I mean exploity. And the fact that these two young women kissed was something that they plugged for weeks. And I will say how uh, movie or show is made by different people that make the commercials. It was a really sweet moment it in was. the show. It was. It was one of the sweetest first kisses two characters have had in the show. But the commercials made it seem like wild things was going to happen. Just Olivia like, Wilde things. Olivia Wilde things. And it was just like, they made them like look more dewy in the face than they do in the show. Like It was just like zooming in and out. Yeah, the commercials were gross. It was weird for me at the time when we watched it because everyone was hooting and hollering uh-huh. and screaming because two girls kissing while I watched like a gentleman and said, I'm just trying to enjoy my art here, people. Why are you all up at uh, like just screaming because two women are kissing? It's you just love. Stirred your Manhattan, took a sip, took a sniff out of your snuff box and went, <clears throat> I say. Yeah, I just screamed I say for the entire time. <laughs> I, I say! I basically foghorn leghorn when I watch TV. I know, buddy. Uh... But it was a sweet moment, and good for the show. Good for the show creators to not make it gross on air. But yeah, the OC does have that thing of the sweeter the moment, the harder the fall. I don't think Marissa and Alex are going to have a ton of happy moments together. Yeah. Anytime we've been like, and these two will make it, crumbling time happens. I wonder if at some point Alex is going to become so overwhelming to Marissa that she has to run to like a mall or to like a mulpa. Or to like a mulpa sode. <laughs> is it on the horizon now, finally? It is, yeah. All right, we got to take a break. When we come back, award time. Ryan, everybody's favorite award. What is your magical music moment of the week? <laughs> My magical music moment is, um, 
there's some songs in here from bands that I don't care about, but Josh Schwartz love, loves them. But uh, my magical moment is by one Seth Cohen, who says that he got a solid 15 minutes. <laughs> they say that's all you need. That's been stuck in my head all week. Yeah, that's all. Like, I can't think of any sentence now unless it's in that exact pattern. It's a hooky tone. It lets people know that, like, you're still fun, but maybe they should be a little scared of what you're about to do in a presentation. Uh, if it, it's not that the other one is uh, Ryan and Seth are bonding over being alone forever, and then into Marissa and Alex's kiss. It's called Eve Album My Eye by Bell X. Fuck that band. You win the real magical music moment of the Thank week. you. What is it? Do you have a Sandy Wisdom? My Sandy Wisdom is like not a specific moment, but there's there's dips and dabbles of him allegedly not wanting to ruin the marriage. Yes. Uh, it all sort of falls apart at the end, so no? No. Yeah, I guess it, it encapsulated in the me and Kirsten are bulletproof. I refuse to test that theory. I, that captures that energy. Right. But it's a very unwise Sandy episode. OC Couture? The, uh, yeah, we talked about the Chanel clutch. Like, that is... You, you, there's few places on the planet that will uh, have a many people. Right. Like, I bet there's a lot of people at Newport Harbor who have a thousand dollar tiny purse that carries nothing. Gross. It carries nothing. It's too small to carry anything. Right. You can't carry like a tuppence, a thing those rich people, not in the 1800s, have ever heard of. But it, it's always good to have uh, one tuppence to throw it like a poor person, or need to fit it, feed a pigeon. Right. Tuppence for the birds. Uh, mine is in that same scene. Julie's wearing a pink cheetah blazer. Mm-hmm. I'd wear the shit out of that blazer. Yeah. It's so fucking cool. That was your jacket. Yeah. I, yes. We could have gone matchy-matchy. And just so everyone knows, please, if you see pigeons, and I know nobody likes them, they're the flying rats, uh, don't feed them old English coins. No. Right? You're supposed to buy bird seed from the lady in Home Alone 2 and then feed the pigeons. Okay. Which, she's hard to find because yeah. she's so lost in New York. Do you have a comics connection? Yeah, my comics connection is T.J. Tyne, who is played by Larry Bernstein. Uh, that is the uh, executive. The Wildstorm guy? The Wildstorm guy. Uh, he played Todd in Ghost World, which is based no. on a comic book, motherfucker. It is based on a comic book. That movie's great. Doesn't get enough play no more. Todd. We all remember Todd. Remember Todd? Yeah, mine's just Wildstorm, so yours is a good specific version of that. Uh, Atwood's got an Atwood. My Atwood's got an Atwood, and I like honing in on a line that only Brian could say. And uh, him and Caleb round one doesn't go well. And he is going to talk to Lindsay. And instead of like sitting her down and apologizing, he just grabs his coat and says, well, there's always next Valentine's Day. (laughs) And then just takes off. Look, I'm not going to do the back and forth quippy bullshit you all seem to love. I'm out of here. Mine is uh, challenging Caleb to a round of pool for Lindsay's hand in dating. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That feels very old school. That's out of shit. See, that's the kind of thing that we always think about and then would never do. No, I think the girl would get very mad in that scenario as well. Uh, Do you have a why don't you pour another one, Kirsten? Yeah, Kirsten, why don't you pour another one down the drain? It's a bouquet of flowers. (laughs) Bouquet of flowers. Did you ever go home and try that after seeing this? Oh yeah, broking so many garbage disposals. I don't. I just I hate flowers. I don't understand them. So I want them all in garbage disposals. (sighs) Ryan, that is all the time we have for this week. We want to say thank you to the Holophonics. Do you want to know what happens next week? I I mean I do, but like. I just want to make it clear that like next week is a borderline non-episode before the season takes off on a rocket that it will never come down from. So like, this season, not this series. The season, yeah. Um, like we've got a bunch of bullshit to tie up before. Oh my god, it gets so good. Right next week, Sandy continues working Rebecca's case for some reason. 
which does lead Kiki to question how strong their feelings are for each other. Okay. Which is rough in a 20-plus year marriage. Meanwhile, Seth continues his downward spiral in the aftermath of Zack and Summer's Valentine's Night together, while Marissa tries to confront her fear about her relationship with Alex. Also, Caleb offers Lindsay a place in his family, but not without a paternity test. I have a theory that I want to talk about next week. Okay. Which is 22 episode seasons are so long that they're like mentally divided in half by the writing staff, mm-hmm. and this is our fucking bridge, and it sucks. So it's two good halves, and you're going to get a episode of two or weird bullshit? Yeah, I, wanna, I, I, I think there's this thing where like the 13th episode of each season is of everything is right. bullshit. I like it. I can't wait to talk about it to you then. But I don't want to talk about it right now. Not though, right Mike. now. Okay, so like later. No. Okay. Because what I'm going to need is for you yeah. to stay gay, Dad, uh-huh. and get me those Green Lantern JPEGs late tro. California! California!